I got no excuses. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, they ask me where I learned to do this. Self-taught, checking things off my to-do list. Treat my temper like my family, I ain't trying to lose it. Say a little, do a lot. Woo! No excuses! Welcome, Peter Report. I got no excuses. And listeners to a brand yeah, new edition no of excuses. the Peter Report podcast, Energized no by Celsius. It is a Tuesday edition yeah, where we got, got no an action-packed yeah. show, well, Scott, because we were at the Advent Health Center. We got a ton of information. We spoke to the defensive coaches, special teams coach Keith Armstrong. It's information from left to right out the wazoo. Found out so much important things for your Buccaneers starting defense this year and a little bit of special teams as well. And we will dive into all of it. First off, my name is Matt Matera. Joined with me is none other than SR Scott Reynolds. Scott, how we doing? Doing great. We had a chance to talk to Casey Rogers, who is the gentleman right there on uh, your screen, running next to Lori Locust. Didn't have a chance to talk to her today. She's the assistant defensive line coach. But yeah, we talked to Casey Rogers, co-defensive coordinator, defensive line coach. We talked to Larry Foote, who is the new inside linebackers coach, replacing Mike Caldwell, also a co-defensive coordinator. We talked to new outside linebackers coach, Bob Sanders, already one of my personal favorites. Yeah, uh, great, a great interview. Coach, ball coach, yeah. Yes. And, of course, uh, Kevin Ross, the rock, near and dear to my heart, growing up in Chiefs territory. Uh, and he doesn't say a whole bunch, right? He's not the most talkative guy, but I still love that guy because I, I, I grew up a Chiefs fan in Kansas City watching him play. So I'm still like a little awestruck that I got to see the rock, uh, you know, here live in person. And then Nick Rapone, holy smokes. Can we just like talk about Nick Rapone for a second? He said, screw the podium. I'm treating this like a damn TED talk. I'm walking around the stage. I'm looking you in the eye. Matt, I, I he, wanted to go play for the guy. I love Nick Rapone. He's one of my favorite assistant coaches. And I think one of the great things about all of the Bucks assistant coaches is they give a lot of information. I don't know if it's yeah. because they don't normally get on the podium as much as, you know, the head coach or the offensive defensive coordinator. But when it was their time to, to shine, they sung like a canary. And Nick Rapone, yeah. I thought, was fantastic. He got straight to the point of this person starting. This yeah. is why we brought in this player, and we'll get into all of that. Right. But, yeah, as it started out, he was walking from side to side on the stage where the podium yeah. is, almost like he was hosting his own seminar. Like, I this, know. here's how you're going to change your life. Positivity, work ethic, <laughs> regimen, routine. Like, you know, and it goes on and on and here's on. Here's how to be to the, the better you today. To the Make the change. To the point, yeah, to the point where the P, the Bucks PR staff, not the PR staff, <laughs> PeterReport.com, the Bucks PR staff had to be like, "Hey, Nick, can you can you go in front of the podium, please? Because right. we need audio for uh, all the all the stuff that they were picking up." But yeah, all the coaches across the board, I thought, yeah, had just revealing information, but not in a way that's you know, right, speaking negatively about anyone yep. currently on the team. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that we learned from this that we can look into totally. for training camp way down the road, but in the more immediate future, Bucks rookie mini camp, OTAs, mandatory mini camp. And I don't know about you, Scott, as fun as the draft was and all the coverage, yeah. it was nice to talk about the current Bucks roster, yes. not just potential draft prospects. So yeah. overall, I thought it was an awesome time. No doubt about it. And then, of course, maybe the headliner in Buccaneer fans, he's not the most popular coach i think for them given how special teams has kind of not been so special but i'm <laughs> telling you keith armstrong 
that man can talk. And we actually had a Pewter Report prop bet, not through my bookie, just a Pewter Report prop bet. What, what was it, 15 minutes? It was 15 minutes. And he hit the over. He hit the <laughs> over by a minute. And you no, know, he, he almost did. didn't make it. Uh, J.C. Allen yeah. asked one more question. That's true. And if he didn't ask that question, so I don't know if he was uh, – yeah. I don't know if there's some foul play there. But uh, it, it, was I mean, que- it was a good question. probably had a bet on it, right? So he probably <laughs> wanted to make sure he hit the over. But listen, I mean, I'm just saying for, for a pure editorial sake, Keith Armstrong, he delivers, man. Like he yes. will – he is a, a wealth of information, and uh, you know, yeah, I think everybody wants the special teams units to do better. I will say this though, like you said, they didn't give up a return last year for a touchdown. Didn't have a punt blocked, right? Um, th- they did some things well. It's it, when you sit there and say the special teams sucked or the special teams didn't do well. Okay, well, which phase of the game are you talking about? Punt return, punt coverage, kickoff return, kickoff coverage. Punting, right? like like your, your punter, right? In in terms of, you know, did, did he punt for a good net? You know, was he knocking him inside the 20 or were they touchbacks? Field goals, like you said, extra points. You know, how did your holder perform? Did he blow a couple of, of you know, of snaps? Uh, sorry, your long snapper. You know, there's a lot of phases to special teams. So you can sit there and say special teams, you know, didn't do this. Listen, I, I'm one of the biggest critics of special teams, but it wasn't like the entire unit did poorly right and we did we talked did talk about uh, the return game and that does need a little bit of juice and we'll have some news there uh for sure but um speaking of juice folks um i'm juiced up today not just because we talked to about 17 different coaches today <laughs> but because i've had my celsius right i i drink celsius Every day, Matt, you're cracking open a peach vibe. I yeah, can tell. Peach vibe. Right? I've been on a peach kick lately, so I'm yep. looking forward to have this right now. I had the brand new Arctic vibe, which is so it's the now in the top five. It's good. It really is. And uh, and so if you want to vibe like us, make sure you check out the new Celsius Arctic vibe. Tropical vibes uh, always a favorite of mine, and the peach vibe is an occasional go to for me when I'm wanting a change up. But no matter which vibe or which flavor Celsius you choose, you're going to get the same thing, which is great taste. You're going to get plenty of energy and you're going to get no sugar and no preservatives. And that's key folks, because not only is sugar, like not that great for you, it will give you a sugar crash later on, which defeats the purpose of the energy drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you check out Celsius, click on those Celsius banner ads on PeterReport.com the next time you're checking out our stories. And we have a bunch of stories to get to here on on the this uh, podcast that we've written so we're going to go through some kind of breaking news first and then we'll dive into some of the other stuff that's coming up but click on the celsius banners or go to celsius.com click on the store locator and uh and find out the location of the nearest celsius vendor near you try some then once you know the ones you want go to amazon and buy them in bulk and save a lot of money that's the way to do it they ship them right to you and speaking of uh, amazon it's a great place to go to get the fast brand protein bars. These are the best tasting protein bars that you are going to try, people. I'm just telling you right now. Make sure that you also buy them this month because this month, using the promo code Five Fast Lane, that's Five Fast Lane on Amazon, you're going to see five dollars off a fast twelve pack protein bar uh, set on Amazon, and you, that's good for the white chocolate cookies and cream or it's good for the salted peanut caramel crunch. 
Both of those are fantastic. They taste like candy bars. If you've tried other protein bars that taste like sawdust or wood chips or cardboard, uh, try a really good tasting protein bar. And that's the fast brand protein bars from our friends at Celsius. Yeah, couldn't thank Celsius enough for their sponsorship. The the drinks are amazing because the drinks actually taste like what they're branded to be. Right. The bars, I wish I had a bar right now. Um, I have to re-up. I'm out right now. But well, you can surely enough dollars right now by doing it. Exactly. Yeah. I have to, yeah, I have to get on Amazon. Yeah. Get going with that because I'm energized as well, especially after hearing these uh d- defensive coaches and special yeah. teams coaches. God, I don't know if you want to go like in order of each coach we spoke to, or maybe some of the biggest things that really stood Let's out go to with you. the biggest things first. We've kind of written about a couple of these. We're going to have a story breaking in about five minutes on PeterReport.com. But I think the biggest thing is, folks, it, it's becoming clear. Now, um, this is going to go a little contradictory to what Jason Light said at his press conference during the draft. But I'm telling you right now, I don't think Adama Kinsu is coming back. The way that Jason Light said this, and I've got a story up on pewterreport.com, Bucks looking for new leaders to replace Pierre Paul and Sue. We've long speculated, Matt, that, that Jason Pierre Paul, the Bucks are moving on from him. 33 years old. He commanded a big salary. He's got the rotator cuff uh, shoulder surgery that he's just coming off of. Probably can't even pass the physical right now. Yeah. And they've already drafted his replacement in Joe Tryon Shoinka. And I'm going to read to you a quote from Jason Light. This is from Saturday. No, not Saturday. This was from Friday after he drafted Logan Hall. He was asked at the press conference, well, does Logan Hall, who's going to be playing the three technique, is he going to be replacing Adamican Sue? Are you, are, are you not going to bring Sue back because you haven't re-signed him yet? And Jason Light said, and I quote, no, we're not shutting the door. There are a lot of injuries that happen throughout the year, and we're not putting all of our stock in the guys we have right now. So I I wouldn't shut the door. Matt, it sounds to me like Ndamukong Sue is like a backup plan, like like a contingency plan in case they need him. Because he, we asked Casey Rogers today, the defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach, about – Sue not being there and Jason Pierre-Paul not being there. And what this is what Casey Rogers uh, has to had to say about who's going to be replacing Sue in terms of, of, of a leader in the defensive tackle room. He said inside it would be Vita, Vita Vea. He would have to step up and assume that role, which he should. He comes to work every day. He's here and knows what we have to do and get done. Through attrition, Vita should step up into that role up front. We still have two leaders at linebacker, obviously Levante David and Devin White. So it'll be by committee. Those guys will have big shoes to fill. So I, what are your thoughts, Matt? Are you reading this the same way I am in terms of of, of maybe this team does not necessarily plan on re-signing Indomitian Sioux unless they need him? I think that's the case. It really looks like that Indomitian Sioux is a break glass in case of emergency type of defensive tackle that they'll that they'll sign it, it just seems like again with the, with the salary cap with still trying to navigate that they obviously used a lot of lump sum of their money in free agency in general they don't want to spend all that money on Dominican Sue if they don't necessarily have to where they can just go in a different direction and still get a veteran defensive tackle maybe not as talented or as skillful as the Dominican Sue but someone that can still 
make an impact and contribute to this team. I think the most telling part of it was just the fact that it was a conglomerate of coaches and front office members that have talked about Ndamukong Sue's not here. Again, you go from Jason Light to Todd Bowles to hearing from Casey Rogers today as well, too. That's three separate people that are essentially being like, don't ask me about Ndamukong Sue. Don't ask about Ndamukong Sue because he's not here. He's not in the building. And right. I think on top of that as well, a huge part of that, again, talking to Casey Rogers today, it was a couple of things that you asked him, Scott, particularly with Vita Vea. And we all look at Vita Vea as a, a top-level nose tackle in this league, just a force on the defensive line, and a player that plays for all three downs. And you don't always see that with the defensive tackle. A lot of times they'll shift guys in and out depending on their pass-rushing skill. But Rodgers, for whatever reason, was, I don't want to say harsh, but he was a little tough on Vita Vea, saying yeah. that, well, he wants him to be a leader, uh, and that's a good thing. Yeah. But he, he talked about, too, that they, they want to increase his snaps and that the amount of sacks that he had last year, four and a half, he told Vita Vea, that's the baseline. That's yeah. what that's what it should be. You should be at eight. You should be doubling up on that. Yeah, exactly. And Vita Vea did make the Pro Bowl last year for the first time. This is what Casey Rogers said about Vita Vea. He was going really good the year before, and then he came back for the playoff run, talking about the end of 2020. Then the way he played this past year, he was getting more and more confident as the season went on, still favoring the ankle some and knocking the rust off. But as the season finished, I thought he was playing really well. Now, the thing with him, he's got to, and I'm harping on him, he's the biggest guy in the field, but he's got to play mm -hmm. like that all the time. And, you know, that that's kind of been a little bit of a thing with, with Vita Vea. Um, you know, even talking with Jimmy Lake, his – his uh, coach at Washington, Matt, he's, he's a bit of a gentle giant and he's, you know, he, he's got to maybe embrace a little bit more of that, that warrior mentality. And it's not that he doesn't play hard. It's not that he's not, uh, you know, a dominant player. He is. It's just that I think that he could get a little nastier and a little bit more consistent and a little bit more badass in, in that level of consistency, being a badass. And, and I think it's only going to improve his level of play, his physicality, and probably get him more sacks and help his teammates get more sacks at the same time. I would have thought when Vita Vea lost his tooth in Indy that that would have <laughs> brought up the badassness a little bit. Uh, real quick, here's Casey Rogers talking about Vita Vea today. What, what do you expect from him in terms of sacks, sack production? Really, I give him a hard time because this is going into my 20th season coaching in this league, and a lot of them spent up front. He's probably the biggest guy that plays third down in the history of the NFL. So the thing is, with the four and a half sacks, with his talent level, it should have easily been eight. eight. So as we went through our cut-up some in the offseason and talking with him, there's some things we got to improve, but four should be a baseline of that. He should get more than that because, one, we're leaving him out there on third down, and he has the talent to do it. You listen Good to stuff. Yeah, you listen to some of the things he said there. The biggest guy in the history of the NFL <laughs> to play all three downs, essentially, was he was yeah. saying. And the talent level that Vita Vea has, that four is not enough, which I, I, I don't know exactly. Again, because the Bucks defense is way more geared towards Shaq Barrett and hopefully Joe Tri yeah. Trianca, really cleaning that up. I still think eight might be a little bit high for, for Vita Vea. I think, he, I think he's, he's capable of it, though, right? 
Agreed. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, because again, what Casey Rogers said, the talent level, the skill set, yeah. I definitely see it in there. But nonetheless, the Bucks are showing, at least the coaching staff showed during these press conferences today that if Adam Katsu isn't here, they're really going to ride the the Hulk that is Vita Vea. Um, yeah. And he's going to need to step up even more than he already has. And he's already right. a freak of nature on this defensive line. So let's see what that means, taking it to another level. I think challenging great players was really a theme mm-hmm. of talking to the coaches today, whether it was uh, Larry Foote with Devin White, whether right. it was Nick Rapone and Antoine Winfield Jr. Yes. A lot of things this year is going to be challenging this defense. You're, you're exactly right, Matt. You're spot on. And the thing is, is, is what's up with those three players? What do they all have in common? Devin White, Antoine Winfield, Vita Vea, they're all pro bowlers, right? That's Yeah. They're all pro bowlers. And, and the coaches are saying – Exactly. And, and the coaches yeah. are saying, not good enough, right? Like you can do better. You can get more. You can you can produce more for this defense. So uh it's <laughs> I, I love that, right? It reminds me of when Mike Tomlin walked in the building in 2001 when he replaced Herm Edwards as the defensive backs coach. Now, this is Mike Tomlin coming from the college ranks. I think he was at William and Mary or Cincinnati, mm-hmm. he was a defensive backs coach, and and he comes uh in. And he gives John Lynch a list of things. This is just as John Lynch, perennial Pro Bowl strong safety for the Bucks, gives him a list of things to do that's like a mile long to make him better. And and I'll never forget Warren stopped telling me the story. John Lynch comes in and he's mad, like he got stung by hornets or something. He comes in the locker room. He's like, Sap, get a load of this crap, man. This new coach, he's got a, like a laundry list of things for me to do to improve. And Sam starts laughing. He says, well, Johnny boy, you better get to work. <laughs> you know? And the thing is, is Mike Tomlin came in and he demanded better from his better players. And and that was 2001. What happened in 2002? 2002, the Bucks won the Super Bowl for their first time. They set a franchise record, Matt, with 31 interceptions. 31 to lead the league. 21 of those came from the secondary, which was an all-time high. That's more picks than the Bucs had across the board last year. But that's what great coaches do is they 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 push great players to the level of excellence. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember watching a documentary, too, I think, about the, uh, the initial uh, Buccaneers team that won. Or maybe you were telling me a story about it. One or the other. I watch documentary, and I hear a lot of stories from you because – you tell so many great stories uh, about covering the Bucks back in the day, especially that first Super Bowl winning team. And one of the things that came up really was obviously this defense was so good. And I think it was that playoff game the year before against the Rams where they shut down the greatest show on turf, but they still mm-hmm. lost the game. Whatever the score was, it was very low scoring. Yeah, it was like and 11 to six or something, 11 to five. Yeah, exactly. And Derek Brooks essentially was like, well, what else can we do? Like, we shut them down as much as we can. And then uh, yeah. another coach, maybe his assistant coach, was like, well, now you got to score touchdowns. Now you got to go out and do that. Yeah, that, that, was you, that was actually John Gruden. Yeah. 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 So, yeah John just, Gruden yeah. says, oh, you think you're a great defense. Great defense to score touchdowns. And I'm, I'm challenging you guys to score nine touchdowns. <laughs> like, that was just, yeah. Touchdowns. And that and was the did. iteration. That was the crazy part, too. Again, just watching like the documentary when they go from game to game, 
every single game, it felt like they scored a touchdown. It's like unbelievable. Yeah. You would never see that in right. today's NFL, just the way, the way the offense is now. But you fast yeah. forward to, to this year's team, only two years removed from a Super Bowl. But I think everyone on defense would probably agree that they didn't they didn't play up to their standards. Like, sure, they beat right. up against the bad teams when they played the Bears mm -hmm. and when they played the Dolphins. Everyone got their stats. Everyone got right. their interceptions. They played the Falcons. Mike Edwards mm -hmm. gets the two pick sixes. They beat up on the bad teams. But you know right. what? That's what good teams do. That's right. But the defense didn't show up when they had those big games. That's why they lost to the Rams twice. They yeah. that just when they really needed it from the defense, I think they would agree that they they didn't live up to the the level of standards that they set for themselves because of course, yeah. this is a very talented defense. So I think they had to, a little bit of a look in the mirror type of moment there and yeah. um it's on the coaches too. They're challenging them. Sure it is. And yeah, especially too with these defensive coaches we spoke to today, you can tell that that, that Rams game it, that's still hot for them, right? That that's that that is not that taste is not going to get out of their mouth anytime soon until September. Until they kick off Week One, they're going to have the memory that they were on the field, the defense when they lost that game, and that that's a brutal feeling, and and that's great. And, you know, and, and the thing is, is I remember, again, when Mike Tomlin came into Tampa in in 2001, the first thing he said was, um, we're, we're going to stop celebrating pass breakups like this. It's ridiculous. Like you want to high five your teammates and stuff when, when you get a pass breakup. A pass breakup is is a dropped interception. So we want interceptions. We, we don't want pass breakups. Right. And it just it's raising the bar. And so to hear today. Right. Nick Rapone raising the bar for Antoine Winfield. How many interceptions does he want from Winfield? I, I will six or seven, right? Yeah. I'm still waiting for the video to download. But yes, I have that video of Rapone talking about that. Yeah, he wants Antoine Winfield Jr. to get six or seven. I think it was very telling as well when Kevin Ross was like, I, I asked Kevin Ross, how far away is, is Carlton Davis from being an all pro cornerback? And he right. said He's not far away. He's just got to catch those damn interceptions. He That's dropped right. so many. <laughs> That's how close Carlton Davis is. Yeah. And and I, I think that, that again, when you're talking about we're, – we're not talking about the the semi-stars. We're not – you know, in no disrespect to guys like like Raheem Nunez-Rochez, right? No disrespect to Sean Murphy-Bunting. But when we're talking about the team's better players, Carlton Davis, who just cashed in on a rich deal worth, you know, between 14 and 15 million dollars a season. When we're talking about Vita Vea, uh, just cashed in on a 17.75 million dollar per year extension. When we're talking about Devin White and Antoine Winfield, pro bowlers, right, who are still on the rookie deals. But I like what, what Coach Larry Foote had to say about Devin White. He said a, mu a multitude of things about White. One of them was was that he was actually bringing up the contract. Yeah, I Devin White's in a contract right year, and he wanted to motivate him. Let me play the video right now. Here's Larry Foote talking about Devin White, who, yes, is in a contract year. Get him back on track. I know we made a Pro Bowl last year, but but there were some games where he wasn't quite Devin White. Well, you know, it's NBA playoffs, so a lot of times in basketball, you're here, you know, let the game come to you. As playing linebacker, sometimes you want to make more plays and uh, that gets you in trouble sometimes. You just got to calm down and uh, always remind you got the goods. He's not a slow linebacker like I was where, you know, 
he's going to make his plays. He just got to trust the defense. And sometimes, you know, he might have a quiet game. It might be a couple games. But uh, you got to stick to the process, and he's going to make his plays. You stay healthy and play 17 games, you're going to make a ton of plays. Well, I can give him the coach standpoint, and I can give him an ex-player standpoint for, you know, contract is coming up. You know, that's always good. Whatever you got to do to motivate him, but uh, I've been through that in his ear a little bit. You see the salary cap and stuff like that and what linebackers getting. So, I, you know, I'll throw that in his ear a little bit. Sure. But, uh, you know, you want to keep getting better. And he is a guy that want to go down and be great. You want to be get a gold jacket one day. And you know the physical dudes are there, so he got to do it upstairs. Is film a big part of that? Is learning how to watch film, what you're watching, not just watching it, but actually Absolutely. And, you know, I'm putting uh, – <clears throat> I tell these young guys, you got to focus too. That, that's a muscle. Uh, that's a muscle that you got to keep uh, getting stronger and stronger. So, uh, you know, we live in a world of social media. <laughs> I got to give them guys breaks. But them guys, if you focus the longer, you're going uh, to make that play. It's a game of inches. That's good stuff. Larry Foote does not like social media or or the youngins. He's, <laughs> he's old school, like man. He's very, very old yeah. school. But I actually think that's a little bit what Devin White needs. He yeah. needs that old school. He doesn't need Devin White's got the flashiness. He's got, you know, he's he's definitely got swag and people love Devin right. White. I like Devin White too. The hashtag yeah. at live 45 is great. But sometimes you need to dial that back a mm -hmm. little bit. When you heard Larry Foote say that, he said sometimes he just needs to calm down, let the play come to him. I think yeah. one of our knocks on him was that he's a little too bull in the China shop, running around right. all over the place, crashing into his own players. So calm down, let the game come to you, and the stats will be there. Larry right. Foote talked about how off-ball linebackers, you don't need nine, ten sacks. Sure, he had it two years ago. Right, but that's, that's not the norm. <laughs> that's an exception to the rule. But you yeah. can still be a star player, a pro bowl, hopefully eventually an all-pro and not ha and still have three or four sacks and still be a severely important player to this defense. It's just about doing it the right way with Devin White and not right. overdoing it. And, and you know what? Some sometimes and I and I've seen it. I've I've seen it with uh with certain position coaches how th they just develop a rapport with the players. They kind of start speaking the same language, right? And uh, like 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 Rod Marinelli and Warren Sapp, two completely different dudes, but man, on the field, on the grass, they were like, they were in sync. They just were, and um, I, I think it's the same way with Raheem Morris and Rondé Barber, for example, right? When 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 and, and not that it wasn't Mike Tomlin, but I mean Rondé and and Raheem were almost like best friends, which was kind of bad once Raheem took over as head coach. Uh, but but the thing is 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 um, I think that because Larry Foote is a very energetic, edgy guy, and listen, Larry Foote would have been the defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles would have moved on. You would have seen Larry Foote become the defensive coordinator. Casey Rogers would have gone with Todd Bowles uh, to wherever Bowles became the head coach. That didn't happen. But Larry Foote was poised to be the defensive coordinator here. J Jason Light loves him. Bruce Arians loves him. And he he's an edgy guy. He brings the fire. He still coaches like a player. Like he wants to kick your ass. He wants to go out there and chirp on the field. And and I think that's why Bowles loves him too. But the thing with Larry Foot is is I think he can really reach Devin White. And I think they kind of speak the same language. Nothing against Mike Caldwell, 
Mike Caldwell was more of a cerebral kind of guy. And I'm not saying that the Larry Foote isn't, and I'm not saying that Devin White isn't. It's just he was more of like that thinking man's kind of guy and was more even keeled. And that's fine. But just like how Dungey was very like calm and passive and even keeled, which served the Bucks well, John Gruden really brought the fire and the energy, which also served the Bucks well. You know, you didn't have the lows with Dungey that you that you did with Gruden because Gruden was like a roller coaster. It was high. The highs were high. The lows were low. But Gruden just had that energy. And like I've, I've always told people when, when Gruden was coaching and the train got off the track, it wasn't going to get back on. But when the train was <laughs> on the track, Gruden, you wanted him to be the conductor because 12 and 4, 11 and 5, like that, that's what he would deliver. With Dungey, uh, if you there, there were plenty of times where the Bucks had to win like three out of four games in December to get the nine or seven win, or nine or ten wins to make the playoffs, and they did because Dungey could do that. I think with Larry Foot, I think he can reach Devin White, really communicate with them, and really bring out the best in Devin White and stop some of the mistakes that got in Devin's way and got in the Bucks' defense way, defensive way down the stretch. I just love that Larry Foot is going to be bluntly honest with Devin White. In good ways and bad ways. And exactly what he said right there, where he's like, yeah, I'm going to let Devin White know he's in the last year of his contract. And, you know, if you play well, you know what linebackers are getting paid now. You're going to get a a very high contract. That's blunt honesty. And that's great for Devin White. Do you think the Bucs front office want Larry Foote being like, hey, you're going to get a huge contract (laughs) You know, if this goes on? I mean, sure, they want Devin White to play well. And at the end of the day, if you if you're worth your money, they'll absolutely pay you. But I'm sure also they're probably like, hey man, like we're gonna have to negotiate with him in a year from now. Let's right. uh, maybe not automatically put this in this head that all of a sudden he's gonna become the highest paid linebacker of all time. But nonetheless, yeah. it's motivation. It's telling it like it is, right? And it's trying to make the player better already yeah. in May. And you know what? The, the biggest thing I think you'll agree with me is Devin White has to be more disciplined, right? Yes. And so in what discipline is, is like you, we've probably seen the the psychology videos, right, of of the little kids with like the little bowl of donuts. Right. And and the, the instructor, whoever says, OK, I'm going to be back in a couple of minutes. Don't eat the donuts until I come back. Right. And then the adult leaves the room and the kids look in the donuts like, oh, my gosh, there's donuts. What am I going to do? Am I going to wait? Right. And it just kind of like it's testing the discipline. And I think that with with Larry Foote, what we heard about Devin White is he wants Devin White to be more restrained and let the plays come to him, right? But at the same time, he's like, you got to go make the plays because the pro bowlers and the guys that cash in on the money are the playmakers, right? So it's it's knowing when to make the play. And I think that's the one thing that the real special linebackers like Levante David have have known and I think it's, it's I hope it's something that Devin Wake can learn is there's a time to make your play and there's a time to not miss your assignment trying to make the play. And that's one of the things that the coaches talked about today. To your point, Matt, the defense didn't play as well as it did in, in 2020 because there were so many missed assignments, missed sacks, missed run fits and things like that. Right. I think Devin a little bit too much. Just try to he wanted to make the sports center top 10 play almost all the time, which is, and that's where we ran into the issues where he missed his gaps. And if Levante David wasn't playing, it really became too much of an issue because Levante wasn't there to really 
you know, clean up the mess and and, rein them in a little bit. Yeah. And bring everything in together. But yeah, I I would say across the board too. um, It wasn't, it wasn't just Devin white with some issues. There was communication issues, communication that went all the way to the last play of their season, essentially when Cooper cup got open down the field against the Rams. So, right. And I think that was another thing too. I believe it was Casey Rogers talking about it. Like where does his defense need to get better? Where does it need to improve? And he pretty much just said, it's it's the fundamentals. It's like the simple things. Yeah. And those are things that can get cleaned up. And those are parts of the game that the Bucs shouldn't be messing up at, at this point. With the talent, I truly believe, and we've said this before in the past, and maybe it was towards the offense more where it's, it's all about Bucks beating Bucks. Mm-hmm. We speak about that on the offense a lot because at, yeah, it comes right. down to turnovers. But I think in this case, it really adheres to the defense. I mean, we talk about Shaq Barrett. As much as we love him, he jumps off sides like all the time. I know he's trying to get a, a quick step, but there's a lot of offsides penalties by the defensive line, yes. probably more than we've seen in recent years. Joe Tryon Chayinka, I understand he's a rookie. Um, right. A lot of missed But Indama sacks. Sue, Indama Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq yeah. Barrett, right? A lot of missed sacks there. Carlton Davis yeah. dropping the interceptions like we yeah. talked about. These are fundamental things. And it, Carlton, it wasn't like th- these were low throws that he had to dive and he almost came right up. Hands. Some of them were yeah. right at him. So yeah. it's just little fundamental things that luckily the Bucks can change. They can right. improve and get better at this, but they have to. All right. It's yeah. one thing to talk about it. Now you have to put it together and really show it. That's right. And and the thing, too, is is we talked about Indomica Sue probably not coming back. Jason Pierre-Paul, we've kind of known that all along. And, and really what we heard the coaches talk about today, both Bob Sanders and also Casey Rogers, is Shaq Barrett really needs to step up. And the interesting thing is, is Ndamukong Sue is not like a loud, boisterous you know, type of guy. He's very plain spoken, uh, but he's very matter of fact. And because of the years that he has in the league and what he's done, people are going to gravitate towards him. They're going to listen, right? And, and the same yeah. thing with Jason Pierre-Paul, who is – Night and day different from Indomitian Sue. He is an alpha personality. He is an energizer bunny. He is electricity running through the sidelines and on the field when he's on the field. And what these coaches are charging the Buccaneers, uh, these two especially, Vita Vea, who's kind of a quiet guy, and, and, and also Shaq Barrett, is when you're replacing a guy like Sue and you're replacing a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, they need these guys to really step up, and 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 I I'm a. It's going to be interesting because these guys kind of have to go Agreed. outside their comfort zone a little bit, right? Yeah, you know what it is, Scott. If you look at the team last year, and we're talking about leaderships at certain positions, like outside linebacker JPP and Shaq Barrett. JP, it's kind of a good cop, bad cop situation where Shaq Barrett is the good cop. He's fun loving. Yeah. Everyone likes him. He's very easygoing. And JPP is the bad cop. And what I mean, when I say bad cop, I don't mean like JPP is a bad teammate. I think he's a great teammate, but I could definitely see him trying to get everyone together. Other outside linebackers, maybe right. Anthony Nelson or Cam Gill being like, oh crap, like JPP is going to get on me if I don't, if I don't do this right, right it's, here. It's, I don't do it's that creating that right accountability. Here. Yes. It's the accountability. Yeah. And I think Warren Stapp was that way. Yeah. And I think if you look at the defensive line as well, too, while Adamic and Sue again, isn't, you know, very outspoken. He just you look at him and you talk to him a little bit and you just see that he's a man that commands that respect and he's obviously a 
pretty legendary player here in the NFL. So when you take Vita Bea, who's soft-spoken, always smiling, yeah. maybe a little more on the shy side, the good cop, bad cop sues the bad cop in that situation. Again, good teammate right. just in terms of accountability. Oh, if I'm not doing my job, Dominican Sue's going to get on me. Yeah. Now, Shaq Barrett and Vita Bea, in a way, have to, they're going to be a leader, but part of being a leader is holding other people accountable. Right. And especially Vita Bea hasn't necessarily been in that situation before. It's right. not really his fault. It's just, you know, he was a rookie. He came yeah. in. There's veteran leadership there. That's right. But this is a new role for Vita, for yeah, Shaq Barrett and Vita right. Bea, but really for Vita Bea that we've never seen him in that type of light yeah. before. I've never even really heard him talk about being a leader on this right. team just because, again, of who they've had there. Right. So it's going to be a, a fascinating thing to watch this year with Vita Bay. I think he can do it. We just haven't really seen it before. And and I hope, too, because when, when you're charged with being a vocal leader, right, you can't slack off, right? It, all eyes are on you. You can't sit there and slip back into the shadows and, well, I'll be the lieutenant. You be the the general, right? And and you lead and I'll kind of do my own thing a little bit and I'll be the, you know, uh, your hype man and the attaboy man and all that stuff. But the thing is, is when you're the vocal leader, you got to step your game up. You got to be consistent. You have to, all eyes are on you. And you know what? Whether you want that role or not, when you're getting paid 17 or $17.75 million and you're the Pro Bowl player like Shaq Barrett and Vita Vea are, too bad. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, like, you know, when, when, um, in the real world, like when you get raises, right, it's, it's kind of for two things It's number one, I'm giving you a raise because of what you did, but I'm also paying you more because I expect more from you. Right. So it's kind of like a double whammy yeah. that that's how raises and promotions should be. It's you did this. We're really proud of you. You grew, you know, you helped the company, whatever. And, and we're going to give you this raise, this promotion, this bonus for what you did. But there's also the expectation of don't rest on your laurels. We need more from you. And that's why we're giving you more. And I think that's only fair to to push Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett maybe out of their comfort zone and to step up and, and be that leader, not just on the field, but in the huddle and on the sidelines and in the meeting rooms and the practice field. I absolutely agree, Scott. And another thing I'm trying to uh, speaking of raising, another thing I'm trying to raise is my bowling score. Oh, and when I do go yeah. bowling. I am bowling at Pin Chasers. If you guys know by now, the owner of Pin Chasers, Anthony Peroni, is a huge Bucks fan. He's got season tickets, so I know he's excited for the season and the schedule, which is coming out, I believe, uh, in a, a little over a week from now. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Pin Chasers, it's a, I've talked about this a ton, but it deserves reiterating. It's more than just a bowling alley. It's about having a good night out with your friends. It's yeah. about having a great family night. You could have uh, birthday parties for your kids. They got bowling, but they also got the arcade section. I understand young kids, their attention spans are all over the place. Take a little break from bowling. Go to the arcade area. They got great food. They bring it right to you. The food is very underrated. You don't even get up from your seat. The waiters It's so good. Like you wouldn't think that a bowling alley would have good food. Right. It could be like acceptable food to snack on. No, it's actually the pizza, the salads, their sandwiches are Chicken fingers go old schools. There's some chicken fingers and fries. They bring it right to you so you don't even have to get up. And the great thing too, Scott, is they have deals literally every single night. All you can eat pizza, all you can bowl. 
Dollar Miller Lights. You look on the weekend, they have, uh, you know, brunch and, and other things going on as well, too. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net because they have different deals and they're changing all the time as well, too. So make sure that you figure out which night works best for you, depending on what you're looking for. So go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party and you won't be disappointed. And there's multiple locations, as you see on the screen here. So there's a Pinchasers that is going to be near you. That's pinchasers.net. Yep. And, and I'll tell you, Matt, I, I went for a jog last night. And, I mean, summer's summer's here, folks. <laughs> Just yeah. If you're in Florida, I went running it's like around 6.30, 7 o'clock last night. And a couple weeks ago, it was nice. It was breezy and and yeah. no humidity. Man, May is here, and it's going to be hot. And it's going to be hot from about now until probably January. In, yeah, yeah. <laughs> into September. And the great thing about uh, bowling at Pin Chasers is air conditioned lanes. Summer yes, here, it is the place to go for for kids' birthday parties, corporate events, date night because it's air conditioned. I'm just going to say that as a, as a Floridian man. A hundred percent. I yeah. That that you can't take that for granted. Is good AC. Uh, on a hot summer night uh, in Tampa, or really anywhere, but yeah, good good AC cannot take that for granted for sure. Yep. Um, so the, the other news we we have a story about Vita Vea and and um, uh, Shaq Barrett kind of taking over, expected to take over the leadership roles for Indomitian Sue and for from Jason Pierre Paul, um, and also too KJ Britt when we were talking to special teams coach. Keith Armstrong, he was yeah. was really praising the play of KJ Britt and Grant Stewart. And with Kevin Minter not returning, we've heard some good things about Britt as that maybe that third linebacker, that that initial backup middle linebacker replacement for Devin White. That's the role that Kevin Minter had. He could also replace Levante David, too. I think Britt will see if he has the ability to do both. From what I've heard, cerebrally he's getting the job done like he's understanding yes, the defense mentally. he's communicating it well it's just physically in training camp in the preseason can he execute it does he have enough speed and athleticism to get the job done but boy on special teams keith armstrong was singing his praises he had i think five tackles on special teams last year which ranked fourth kevin minter was third with seven ross cockrell was second with eight and then grant stewart who was their special teams ace 12 tackles. I got to think, Matt, one of those guys, either Britt or Stewart, could take that captainship role that Kevin Minter has had on special teams the last couple of years. That's actually what I asked Keith Armstrong about, because I think we're all under the assumption that Kevin Minter probably isn't going to be back this year. But yeah, he was a special teams captain. So someone's going to have to step up into that leadership role in terms of special teams. Like, I don't expect Grant Stewart to be the leader of the linebackers. You got Levante right. David. And Devin White there. But that's why I want to ask Keith Armstrong about that. And pretty much his words were, yes, he can definitely see Britt and Grant Stewart stepping into those roles. I think Grant Stewart, it, it makes sense because he was the stud yeah. on special teams last year. But Armstrong, to your point about Britt being more cerebral about linebacker, not even special teams, Armstrong kind of said, yeah, pretty much uh, Britt, maybe not as much because he's more focused at linebacker right now. And there might yeah come a time if he earns that linebacker three role where he's not going to be playing special teams as much as good as he was they need him in that role mm -hmm. as the linebacker three and I thought that's and obviously he's gonna have to get faster and and improve his agility a little bit 
because I think you and I were in agreement. I remember doing uh, just coverage on a podcast about the linebackers, you and I, a couple of months ago. Yeah. But we were just talking about that. We wished that KJ Britt and Grant Stewart, if we combined the physicality yeah. and the knowledge of football of KJ yeah. Britt and That's the speed of Grant Stewart, <laughs> that it would make a great linebacker right there. Yeah. And they, um, I believe it was Larry Foote too said that KJ Britt is is he's all business. He's a no nonsense guy, which yeah. you need that at linebacker. So it's interesting to see a guy that was good at special teams last year, right. not Grant Stewart, but a guy that was still efficient at special teams. Yeah. And we saw where the special team struggled last year too. To take a guy off of that unit because you think he could really be something at linebacker, even if it's linebacker three. Right. That's big praise for KJ Britt. It is. And we're going to give Jason Light some big praise too, because you know, the seventh round draft picks, and they're they're I don't want to say they're throwaway picks, but I mean you're just like throwing darts, man. You're yeah, you're not expecting anything much out of the seventh rounder. And really, until Grant Stewart, Jason Light had not done anything in the seventh round worth really talking about or praising. Sure. But Grant Stewart has got the ability. He's got Pro Bowl potential. When you look at Matthew Slater and some of these guys that are just pure special teams demons that, that can go down there and cover, I mean, I would be shocked if Grant Stewart does not lead this team in special teams tackles again. And he had 12 last year. I, I think that, that now he has a year under his belt. He could be one of those guys that literally ends up with 20 special teams tackles a year. And he also forced a fumble. So, I, I think it's interesting because they still have Devin White and Levante David for sure. And I think that we're seeing probably Anton Winfield becoming that that leader in the secondary, at least in the safety room. Carl, Carlton Davis is that guy in the cornerback room. Yeah. But the other thing that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about was the big news. And I think you wrote a story about Nick Rapone, the safeties coach. We finally have some clarity about the roles that, the uh, Logan Ryan and Keanu, Re- uh, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Neal. <laughs> Sorry, that's I just good, I, I no, had John Wick on the brain. You know, I've done that in my head too. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, Keanu Neal, Keanu Reeves, Logan yes. Paul, Logan Ryan, John Wick. I'm, yeah, I'm getting the names. Johnny Utah. Point yeah, break. I'm getting the names bad. <laughs> yeah, point break. Uh, getting the names mixed up in my head a lot too. But yeah, Nick Rapone was very telling, and I think we've all wanted to know. What exactly are we getting with Keanu Neal uh, and Logan Ryan? Are they going to be starting safeties? Are they going to play in the nickel position? Is Mike Edwards the slotted to be the starting strong safety when you know when the season starts? So there's a lot of those questions going into it. I'm pulling up uh, Nick Rapone's quotes yeah. now, just talking about Keanu Neal and um, and Logan Ryan. And he said, uh, you have two guys that have played in the league and have done a pretty good job of playing in this league. After losing Jordan Whitehead, we just felt we needed to bring somebody in that has played in the league and has had some production. Uh, we'll look at Neil at strong safety, and we'll look at Logan at free safety and a little bit of nickel. And he went on to say later, um, that's what Todd, he's talking about Todd Bowles, that's what Todd Bowles wanted to do. Todd wants to create so we have some competition there at safety, which makes a healthy group, and they go out and they compete. So, but the big thing is, is he said that Mike Edwards is going to be the starter at strong safety. Absolutely, I got the video of that that I will pull up in one moment. I think it's important to point out too 
it's going to be Mike Edwards' job to lose, but they're right. not handing him the job by any means. So here's Nick Rapone. Yep. He's talking about the first part of the video is actually what we were talking about earlier, yep. about challenging Antoine Winfield Jr. to get more interceptions. The next part is uh, Nick Rapone talking about how much he trusts Mike Edwards and what he needs to see from Mike Edwards in order to earn the starting strong safety position. I'll leave being Michael Pittman in Indianapolis mm -hmm. and, and just, just I how, think Winfield, how he developed. I think – I think Antoine just gets better and better, but that's the type of kid he is, is because of his father and his background, he's just a blue collar guy. You know, the one thing with Winfield, where I challenged him after this year is, run support wise, you're beautiful. You're beautiful in a lot of areas. Let's start getting six and seven interceptions a year. Let's, let's put that, let's make that the next step where you're going to get six or seven interceptions because the real good players and the great players love to get challenged. So that's the challenge this year is let's get six and seven interceptions. We know you can blitz. We know you can tackle. We know you can pass defend. Let's, let's get the football a little more. Coach, what do you need to see from Mike Edwards this year to trust him to be a full-time starter in this defense? I trust Mike more now. If you look at it, Mike's had five interceptions in the last two years, probably playing a fourth of the reps a starter would get. So I trust Mike more now. Each safety has some certain areas he has to improve on. And with Michael, it's going to consistently be being able to make that open field tackle. He, he improved last year. He made more tackles in the open field than he had the year earlier. Ball-wise, Mike can play the football. So Mike just has to keep maturing, and it's going to be a great challenge for him because he'll start off at that strong safety position, and then we'll see what Neil does. And that's what Todd wanted to do. Todd wanted to create so we have some competition back there at safety. Now, uh, you know, Winfield and Edwards, you know, they're looking at Logan Ryan and Neil which makes a healthy group and they go out and they compete. And uh, this the corner you got in the fifth round. Good stuff there, man. That's Nick Rapone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the last part of that too, when he said, when he's talking about adding in Neil and Ryan, that this is going to make a healthy group at yeah. safety where Neil and Ryan are essentially uh, safety nets in yeah, terms I agree. of, they're not going to necessarily be the starting guys. I, I think I right. still think that they will have a role on this defense and they will contribute. And at some point, they're going to make an impact play. But uh, talking about corners too, this is it's going to be Sean Murphy's Bunting's job at the nickel corner at least to start the season. We'll see if he holds on to it. Yeah. And they're all in on Mike Edwards, and he's a player. You heard Rapone talk about it, where he's making all these interceptions in less than half the amount of playing time that everyone right. else is getting at the position. So it's about time they trust him. They obviously want him to get better at open field tackling, which I think was an issue even when he first got into the league. And we've seen that uh, become a problem for a couple of guys on this defense, especially in the secondary. But it's good to see. I, I think with the playmaking ability that Mike Edwards has, and in my opinion, he is a playmaker. Yes. Again, remember, he had the interception, three interceptions in the regular season is nice. He yeah. had the interception against the Eagles as well, right. too, in the playoffs. So he just makes plays. And I understand sometimes he'll get burned and or 
it could happen because he, he gets all for game against the Rams. I think he played like 15 yeah. snaps and he was in on the, the touchdown to um, Cooper Cup in the in the, the first half and then had another uh, bad play in that game. It's escaping me right now, but just 15 plays and it was not good film. Yeah. So I, I do like the fact, though, that listen, Jason Light. And, and this organization has invested draft picks, premium draft picks, right? Day two draft picks, a second rounder in Sean Murphy Bunting, a third rounder in Jamel Dean, and a third rounder in Mike Edwards, right, from the 2019 draft class. And they want to see these guys either sink or swim, and they're going to give them the opportunity. Sean Murphy Bunting is going to be the starter in the nickel to start things off. And like you said, aptly put, Logan Ryan is the safety net. Nick Rapone said it. He's going to be a free safety. If we need a nickel corner, you know, then we'll put him in there. In other words, if Sean Murphy Bunting sinks and doesn't swim, oh, I think Scott froze again. Unless it's my computer, but I think I don't know. Scott froze a couple of times yesterday, so I think that might be the situation again here. So I will take over once again. And what I was talking about, and what Scott was talking about too, is that. The Bucs are putting all of their chips in with seeing what they're going to get from Sean Murphy bunting in the last year of his deal at the nickel corner. They're going to see if Jamel Dean can really be a solidified number two cornerback in this league, lining up against Carlton. They're set with Carlton Davis as the number one corner. The same goes for Mike Edwards when it comes to uh, trusting him as the starting strong safety for this team. So there's a couple of guys, as Scott was saying, you're going to either sink or swim. But the thing that I do like the most really is, yeah, this is their plan A. Jamel Dean at cornerback number two, Sean Murphy Bunting as the nickel, and Mike Edwards as the starting strong safety. Right. But it's not their only plan. Like if things don't work out, if someone gets injured, it's not just like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? We have a plan B and that's Logan Ryan. And that's um, and that's Keanu Neal as well mm-hmm. too. Now, if we're talking about Plan A, my Plan A for food is Beef O'Brady's wings and beer, beer and wings. Nobody combines them like Beef O'Brady's. Start with their award-winning wings, traditional or boneless, in whatever sauce or dry rub you crave. Next, pick the cold brew that's perfect for you. Beef's has all your faves on tap. It doesn't get any better than that, unless you count all the flat-screen TVs playing game after game. Beef O'Brady's, where game time meets beer and wing time all the time. Drink responsibly. I need, I need to get, I need to get those wings, and now is the perfect time to get them too because it's five o'clock, man, it's it, dinner time. I, well, that too. I was going to say because it's playoff season. Uh, hockey playoffs just got here. The Lightning have their first game tomorrow. That's right. Um, After playing the exhibition game game last night in Toronto, they they, didn't count. They played an exhibition game, you know, traveling internationally. They had to, you know, get their wits about them. So they play their first game uh, tomorrow. You got the, you got the NBA playoffs going on as well too. So there's no better spot to go to, to watch all these games than beef O'Brady's because you have the delicious tasty wings. Like you see on your screen right there. Awesome burgers, great nachos. On top of that, like I just said, you're watching sports games. They have multiple TVs. They got TVs yes. on TVs on TVs 
a great beer selection as well too if you want watching to- if you're watching the lightning you need copious amounts of beer especially <laughs> for that shit show last night oh my god yeah but if you want to watch the lightning or whatever team you root for from the comfort of your own home you can go and just pick up food they yeah. or they have takeout food right there for you you can go pick it up swing on home and you know that you're not going to have to travel far to go get some beef O'Brady's because there's 45 locations, over 45 locations, yep. in the Tampa area. So no matter where you live, there's going to be beef O'Brady's near you. So make sure you go to beefobrady's.com, check out their entire menu, and see what else that they can offer you. Beef O'Brady's, good food, good sports. Damn right. Uh, I'm hungry. Uh, let's Me end too. this podcast and let's go get some <laughs> food, dude. Uh, we, we had we had a lot of of uh, great content today on PeterReport.com. Uh, John has a, uh, I think probably his, his final farewell column. Uh, Send off the the Bucks briefing with his draft grades. So make sure you check that out. I'm sure John will be contributing uh, some content uh, sprinkled in throughout uh, football season, etc. So this isn't as we said the other day on the the uh, draft show. This isn't goodbye. It's just see you later. Uh, until we meet again. And uh, we have uh, a couple of stories that we've kind of talked about here, but if you want to read those quotes again, get the in-depth uh, scoop on Indomitian Sue, JPP probably moving on in the leadership roles that that Shaq, Barrett, and uh, uh, Vita need to step up into, as well as the news about Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, their roles being specifically defined by Nick Rapone, Check them out at pewterreport.com. And while you're here, before we go, make sure you're watching this on Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel. And if you're not, well, go over to it and, and make sure you hit subscribe because we want to get up to 9,000. That's our new goal. New goal. We're so close to 8,300. We hit 8,000 just before the draft, hit that goal. Mm-hmm. Now we're on the way to 9,000. And we're at almost at 8,300, so help us get to that little milestone, and we'll be, as as uh, Bill Belichick would say, we're on to 9,000, right? <laughs> um, so, and also, when, when you're at Pewter Report TV, and you're watching either the live Pewter Report podcast or our podcast versions, the taped versions, make sure you're hitting the, the like button. Get the thumbs up on all of our Pewter Report content. What that does, it helps our algorithms, puts us in front of more Pewter people like you, and we love Pewter people. We and do. so the more people that, that see our content, that's going to be a direct correlation from you hitting the like button. So we're all in this together, Pewter people. Help the Pewter Report TV channel grow, hitting the like button and subscribe. Yes, please help our algorithm so that way we can put on the best show that you possibly want. I uh, just want to give a shout out to Lawrence Lowe. Thank you for the $2 super chat. I don't really understand your comment. Jameis with no pressure throws an INT to Tyreek Hill. But nonetheless, thank you very much for the super chat. Uh, If you super chat us, we will make sure that we get to the comment, whether whether it's with the conversation or not. We should probably touch on this really quickly because Keith Armstrong did talk for 15 minutes. And we kind of shortchanged special teams, but they're really not that special. Uh, He did talk about, about the punter, Jake. Uh, Camarda and like the fact that he was a baseball player and a good athlete. He did mention the fact that Jake Camarda can sit there and, and run a four five, six. And most punters, they don't go out there at the combine and run. This kid ran a four five, six, which is probably faster than KJ Britt. So he could do kickoffs and probably zoom down the field faster than, than yeah. Britt to make the tackle. I'm just kidding. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, 
But it does open up a couple of wrinkles because as the holder now, he is going to be replacing Bradley Pinion as the kickoff guy, as the, the punter, of course, and also the holder. Matt, um, he kind of opened the door a little bit with his running ability. He said he can throw the ball. We might see that, some some fakes. That's what, <laughs> that's what stood out to me. He's like, he, he's a good passer, too. He could throw the yeah. ball. I'm like, all right, he's just giving away that the Bucs are going to run a – uh, some fake places I'd here, like which reminded it. me that the Bucks are pretty good at stopping fake plays too. Yes. Scotty Miller had a sack this year. That's uh, right. It, it recorded as a sack because of it. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, and, and the other thing too is the, the kick return job is wide open. Uh, Jalen Darden, he, he wants to see him have another look. But the interesting thing is he talked about Zion McCollum, and we talked about this on the Peter Report draft show when he was drafted, becoming – a gunner that makes sense, right? He's runs yes. a four three three and is good tackler and and can fly down the field and, and get the ball. But they're going to give him a look as a as a return guy with that speed to see mm-hmm. if if he, I think he did it at Sam Houston State. But you know you, you don't know if you can do something or not unless you try. So that's what the the OTAs, the mini camps are for. That's what training camp is for. Yeah, we'll see. And I think they're they're going to have a, a kind of a wide open. A return job punt and kick return to really beef up the return game this year and on top and, of and that good. too uh keith Armstrong mentioned that he wanted to see rashad white as a gunner as well too i thought that was interesting because i don't yes. think he did that too much in college but i i just like the fact that it's going to be he and he said he likes jalen darden and he wants to get more of a look at him right but again kind of like with mike edwards it's his job but he's still got to earn it I see yeah. that with Jalen Darden too. I'm not saying it's Jalen Darden's job, but I like that everyone's going to have an opportunity. Maybe Scotty Miller will finally get to return punts. Hey, I, I highly doubt it, but I, I was know. making a pitch for Scotty Miller being a gunner because he forced <laughs> two fumbles in limited duties. I wanted to remind Coach about that. I mean, Coach, not... Coach put out the two. He put out the Antoine Winfield peace sign slash Scotty Miller fumbles, uh, forced yeah. fumbles. That's true. Uh, last question here. Uh, Booski 1300. Can you guys answer? Do you believe Darden deserves the job? No, it should be an open competition. I didn't see anything last year that made me believe that he deserves the job. He has to go out and earn the job. Exactly. He doesn't deserve it, but if he earns it, all the power to him, all the credit to him. And I think he can win it too. He's just, he's got to stay upright. He can't, he can't keep on. Totally agree. Uh, we got another packed show tomorrow. We're going to be back at 4 o'clock Eastern time talking about the NFC South, looking at their drafts in depth while we're wrapping up draft week here. We're going to go over the Buccaneers picks and and maybe look at some matchups of who, mm-hmm. you know, who Logan Hall is going to be facing in the trenches in New Orleans, in Carolina, in Atlanta, and then look at some of the the new rookies around the NFC South that the Bucs will be facing. Are there any matchup problems there? Are there any guys that are going to be thorns in the Bucs side? Are there any future Bucks killers that are now going to be in the NFC South? That's tomorrow's show at 4 o'clock Eastern. Again, presented by Celsius. That's right. So make sure you tune in. Thank you, everyone, for watching today. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast.